Ray and Jay. You're listening to the Ray and Jay Podcast. Talking video games, sports, music, movies, comics, wrestling, and anything else that comes to our minds. With Ray Carcillo and Jason Finelli. Let's go. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever you may be listening to us, we hope it is good. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to the Ray and Jay Podcast, where two of the greatest guys in the history world get together to talk about whatever comes to their mind, video games, sports, movies, comic books, all that fun stuff. But of course, lately we've been focusing a lot on video games because it is E3, and well, it was E3, and now it's post-E3, and I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm uh, a little bit, uh, of course, I'm Ray, and of course, Jay, I don't know about you, but I am am still absolutely exhausted. (laughs) And I am Jay, and uh, yes, I. Uh, it is a struggle, a daily struggle to keep my eyes open. Well worth it, well worth it, but absolutely still feeling it. Um, it was quite a whirlwind week. We were all over the place and then some, and uh, there was a lot to take in, a lot to see, a lot to play, a lot to watch, and a lot of things going on every which way, and it really made for uh, uh, an interesting an interesting time, uh, considering what you focus on and what you think about. But uh, today, you and I are going to focus on our favorites, with the exception of one thing. Uh, we're going to talk about our favorite reveals or trailers. Uh, we're going to talk about our three top games from the show. And if you want to rank them, you can. I might. I haven't decided yet. And um, one thing that kind of made us go, oh, one little disappointment, um, <laughs> because E3 is not perfect. Uh, nothing is. And there had to have been something that you were just like, oh, man, even if it's like a reveal that you didn't you weren't happy with or a demo you played that you weren't feeling or whatever. That's what we're going to do today. Um, I think the best way to start would be with the disappointment the thing. uh, Get the negative stuff out of the way fast and then we can talk about all the good stuff because we are positive people. The power of positivity. Ray and Jay. Ray and Jay. Um (laughs) I assume that your disappointment is probably uh, fresh in your head because since I gave you some time to think about it. Um, so hit me while I try and figure it out what made me sad. Um, well, for me, I mean, besides, of course, the, the public being there. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it was that's a joke, folks. That's a joke. That's uh, look. I mean, we, we talked already a lot last week about how we don't mind the public being there. Just obviously it was a bit of a mess. Uh, some of the smells were obviously not um, not great, um, but I would say for me probably the biggest disappointment was a game I played called uh, Dead Alliance uh, from Maximum Games. It was um, it was an interesting idea, like kind of a a three on three multiplayer where players or I guess four on four. I'm not sure. Uh, it was a bit of a disorganized mess at the, at the booth or that meeting room, I should say. And, um, basically, uh, you play as a soldier, it's a shooter, it's a verse, it's standard multiplayer versus, but you're in a kind of like almost like a, like a dead island kind of like zombie infested area. And you have special weapons that can turn the zombies to your side and to your team side so that the zombies will do your work for you and help you uh, kill enemies. And it, it, Interesting it, concept. 
Yeah, it's an interesting concept. It did not really... It was not executed very well. Um, it was really... Uh, kind of janky. You know, like a, like a lot of issues with the demo. A lot of technical problems. I mean, I get it's a demo, but the game's coming out in August. So... Um, they need to, to work on that shit fast. Yeah, if I, I'm hoping, yeah, like I'm hoping it'll come along a lot more nicely before it releases August 29th. Um, so that was kind of, kind of this my disappointment for the show. I would say, I and mean, definitely, I would think the worst thing that I saw, uh, all told, um, you know. Also, it felt like the. Um, yeah, I need. They wouldn't let me mess with the options. The controls were really uh, loose. The shooting was very loose, much looser than I typically prefer when I'm playing a shooter. Uh, so there's there's a lot of little things with that that kind of gave me issue. And again, it, it wasn't the best looking game. It wasn't the best playing game. Really interesting idea, but not uh, definitely not my fav- far from my favorite game of show. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, if it just didn't sit well with you, maybe it was just a particularly uh, janky demo, and they'll get it fixed or. Or they won't, and uh, you being the review reviews editor that you are, you can just lick your chops and get your red pen out. <laughs> uh, so I, mean, I have to say though, if that's your biggest disappointment of the show, it's really not all that bad. Um, I mean, of, of all the things that could have gone wrong, you know what I mean? That's yeah. a pretty solid, uh, pretty solid way to do it. So pretty, uh, I'd be happy with that. I mean, I, I'm sure you are, but that's a uh, that's pretty cool. So for me. Um, for me, I have two, um, although they're not really, I mean, one could be very much viewed as a disappointment, though the other one is kind of more of a personal preference. The first one is Far Cry 5, but not because of what I played, not because of any trailers, not because of anything like that. I, I think it's going to be a great game. I just thought that the playable demo was too damn short. Um, huh. The only thing it gave you to do was liberate Fall's End. Now, if you took the stealth route... It might go a little bit longer, but I'm a guns blazing, bring the dog with me kind of guy. So I liberated the town in eight minutes. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I wanted more. It was, a, it was that was a disappointment of wanting more, not so much a disappointment of what I was playing. Um, it, it ran great. The shooting was great. The the, uh, the using Boomer the dog uh, to my advantage was really cool. Uh, but yeah, I kind of would have liked that demo to be a bit longer. Maybe some story a story mission demo instead of just liberating a town. Uh, but definitely looking forward to more of that. And it definitely uh, made me, like, give me... If, 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 the, if the point of the making the demo short was to make people want more, it worked. <laughs> so there was that. And then my other disappointment, um, and you, my friend, are going to love this because it validates you, um, was that Destiny 2 was not as different as I had hoped. Yes. That. Yes, I told um, you. I warned you, Jay. <laughs> that uh, was a big crying shame. I, uh, I really, really wanted more, and what they had—the four-on-four search and destroy—technically, um, was not what I was hoping for. Now, uh, we did win the match. We were down five-zero and came back to win six to five. Um, so props to us for finally figuring it out on my my team of two journalists and two public who were really mad at the journalists who clearly weren't familiar with destiny um but yeah um it felt exactly the same i felt like i was playing the same game in a different mode yeah that kind of bothers me a little bit 
Yeah, I warned you. I mean, that's the big thing. The only thing they added was they made the team smaller. Like you said, it's only 4v4 instead of the 6v6 that it, typical, that it used to be in the first game, which to me makes no sense at all. Me neither. Maybe if they're just looking for a tighter, more competitive experience. I don't know, but I'm hoping. Or they're I'm la- oh, they hoping. got lazy and went for smaller maps. Uh, <laughs> maybe. But I'm hoping that um, when the final game releases, there's more to it because right now there just wasn't a lot. So it wasn't a lot. Um, okay, so enough of that. Enough of the sad stuff. Let's talk about good things. Um, I want to get into the uh, reveal of the show for you. The best trailer, the best surprise, um, the coolest thing that you saw. Um, I have a feeling I know what yours is, and I don't think you know what mine is. Um, although you should. So lay it on me, Ray. What was your favorite reveal or trailer of E3 2017? Well, yeah, this is pretty easy. It was, it was Spider-Man, obviously. Yep, I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> not, that, not that you're wrong. You're absolutely right. It was a great, great trailer. Uh, falls second for me, and I'll tell you why I want to get there. But go all ahead. Right. All right. Uh, yeah, no, Spider-Man was absolutely, for me, fantastic. I, uh, I was been waiting for this game. We hadn't heard from about it in a year. Um, you know, just everything from the Miles Morales tra- uh, reveal at the end to the the fluidity of combat, it seemed. I mean, again... Obviously, these are all hands-off demos and trailers and stuff. So, but we're um, and we'll and we'll pick our three hands-on experiences after this. But I, uh, it looked like there was a lot of interactivity with the environment. Um, it was just really, it was everything I wanted from a new Spider-Man game. You know what I mean? At least from on, on the screen. You know, you even went with a new villain in Mister Negative. Of course, only revealed about only, only he made his first appearance in January of two thousand eight. Uh, in the Spider-Man lore, so oh that, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, no, he's he's a rel- Mr. Negative is a very new villain. Um, I mean, he still fought Peter Parker, but uh, he, you know, obviously going with the Miles Morales route is very very interesting. Um, trying to humanize the more modern Spider-Man. Um, I mean, I think all in all, I mean, it's just Insomniac basically saying this isn't this ain't your mama's Spider-Man game anymore. This is. This is going to be new on a lot of fronts. There's going to be a lot of new, interesting things. I mean, as long as the story comes together, I mean, I think it, I think it absolutely could be the best. It could be the best Spider-Man game we've ever gotten. Um, I mean, I mean, and that's obviously high praise off of just a, of a of a hands-off demo. But uh, I mean, that's the kind of what it looked like to me. I mean, the way he moved, the way he used his webs in combat, the way he. Uh, you know everything was able to just able to easily string together the high stakes, the new villain, um, and again, and I mean, it just and of course also old villains. The Kingpin makes a, makes a brief appearance there, so I mean, it just really doing a great job of tying Spider-Man's world together, and uh, the combat looks absolutely fantastic. The full, you know, the motion obviously Insomniac known very much for their you know their their local motion. Uh, and you just look back at their last exclusive game, Sunset Overdrive, for Xbox One. Um, they know what it does when it comes to getting your characters to move around a world and creating an interesting world. And I think playing in the Sp- Spider-Man lore has just been... Uh, they're just doing an absolute fantastic job. Now that we've finally seen uh, everything that we... you know, you know, we, Again, without a, a year without hearing a word about it, and then seeing this reveal at E3 just blew me away. That Yeah, I agree with you 100%. It was great. Great, great uh, gameplay reveal. Um, the only reason I rank it second is because we knew about it, and I put a little more stock into things we didn't know or really expect before um, 
E3. Now, again, I am 100% with you. It takes the best of the Batman Arkham series, the best of what Insomniac is known for, and if it's open, if it's open, free swinging around New York City, that's going to be insane. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely a strong showing from Spider-Man. Definitely deserved to be the anchor of um, the Sony press conference. Uh, very, very impressive there, and looking forward to more. Now, my trailer of the show, reveal of the show, um, is a game that I did not think we would ever see just because I wasn't sure just how popular the first one was. But Ori and the Will-O-The-Wisps makes me very, very happy that it even exists. Um, the trailer was exactly... It stirred the same kind of emotion as the trailer for the first game did, a mixture of wonder and sadness and a little teensy bit of hope uh, for Ori, in this case, uh, in his constellation of the baby owl uh, as it looks upon the field of what looks like owl corpses or owl mummified owls or whatever. Um, th there's definitely a lot of different areas that are shown with big creatures like the big frog and the big spider and just a lot, a lot of things to be curious about. That game needs to not take its time. It needs to be uh, released as soon as possible. If they want to release it in the same window as the first game, March uh, I'm cool with that. Bring it on. But uh, Ori, for me, was the top trailer, top reveal of the show, which I guess to some people might be a detriment because there weren't as many surprises this year as last, as previous years. But yeah. um, well, and I think, get, go ahead. I was going to say, I think also what, what Ori suffered from in, at being at the Microsoft conference is that there's so many other games around it that it, it was, I mean, as much as we enjoyed it, it almost didn't stand out as much. Sure, but think about this. Uh, we, When we sat down at the Xbox conference, there were two little rooms on either side of the stage that we were like, well, something's coming out of there. One of them was the Forza car, and one of them was the piano that Gareth Coker played for this game. So Xbox is putting a huge amount of emphasis, even though it was at the end of their show, on this game. At least they will be. In my, I think they will, at least. I think they're they're definitely shaping up they're shaping this up to be a big time indie digital push uh eventually if they're going to put a piano on the stage to reveal that you know what I mean that was an indie game 3 years ago and this year it has live music on the stage yeah well the id at xbox program has become a cornerstone now for xbox 1 they have a lot of great indie games that come exclusively to their system or exclusively or to them and pc um, and like you said, Ori is definitely probably possibly a cornerstone of that cornerstone because, uh, like for us, it was us, our, our game of the year, two years ago. Um, the game was so good. <laughs> yeah. So game good. Was so good. And I can't wait for number two. I really can't. It looks like a direct yeah. sequel, like right after the first one. And that's exactly what I want. Yeah. No, super excited for that. Also, just by way, honorable mention beyond good and evil too. Um, oh, of course, of course. But the problem there is. No game. I mean, there wasn't any gameplay. In we Ori saw no either, but, but um, we know the gameplay of Ori. We can kind of know what to expect with Ori. Beyond Good and Evil Two, there's still a lot of question marks around it. Yes, and there were. I think there were a lot more glimpses of in-engine footage, in-engine things in the Ori trailer than there were in the Beyond Good and Evil Pixar movie. Right. Um, not that's a bad thing. Obviously, any information that confirms Beyond Good and Evil Two is a good thing for the internet. Uh, but I just think that Ori had more in it that we will see in the final product. 
and that pushes it a little bit ahead for me. Um, I mean, if we're going to rank the conferences, which we've done, I think, already, uh, Ubisoft's entire conference was probably the meatiest uh, and the, 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 the most um, information-filled of them all, with the exception of maybe Xbox, and the best run, I think. Um, but we'll yeah. get to that. That's a, that's a whole different... I was gonna say I don't I don't think we I don't think we actually ranked the the conferences I don't think we picked the winner. Oh really? Yeah, I don't think we did. Well, I, I think I, I just did. <laughs> I well I no I agree I agree. Ubisoft was number one. I would put. Uh, I mean, it's the thing is it's kind of hard after that. I would probably go Microsoft too, just because of the sheer number of games they had. Sure. And then. Nintendo I would, three. Because I would of, well. It, I I could go I could go Nintendo three because they said a lot of stuff but they didn't show a lot of stuff. That's Sony true. Sony basically just showed us more of what we knew it was coming. It was all very very good, but it had one surprise, which was Shadow of the Colossus. Really, and uh, was, I would uh, two Monster Hunter World that wasn't known. That's that's true, but uh, you know, I, but that's also found out later that Monster Hunter World's not exclusive. No, it's not. That's correct. So I kind of docked them points that for that a little bit. So I mean, I would go. Um, I mean, Microsoft had that too on their stage, but I would probably go uh, UB one, Microsoft two, Nintendo three, Sony four, and then EA five because EA's biggest thing, Anthem, they had to show over at the Microsoft stage. And Bethesda. Oh, and then Bethesda. Ah, uh, crap. Uh, you know what? Put Bethesda five and then EA six. I'm exactly with you. That's exactly where I had them in my own in my own. Uh thing but i tell you what as far as intrigue for next year goes bethesda is number one and the reason is everything they showed this year is coming out by the end of the year so yeah. what the hell are they planning for next year you know it's what I mean? got it we got i i think next year is the year i don't want to get people's hopes up but i think next year is the year that we finally find to get a, a new proper elder scrolls i mean it has to be what else, what the hell else is there i mean unless um, they're doing unless they're doing fallout 5 unless they're gonna unless the only thing i could think and people might not like this is that if elder scrolls is going to become elder scrolls online is going to become like the end all be all, and they're just going to keep making expansions for that. Oh um, Jesus, that will not go well. <laughs> no, that's what. No, that's what I'm saying. And then, and then all you have is fall, and then you keep Fallout going, and you can keep doing another Fallout game and whatnot, do it another place, and and I mean, because right. I remember too. I mean, I mean, I think there'll be another proper Skyrim. I mean, I mean, the fact that you're bringing it to Switch makes me believe that you're getting ready to do Elder Scrolls. Across all platforms, sure. but um, I mean, and we know that Todd Howard is super pumped to work on the Scorpio, but um, yeah, I mean that's a possibility. But that's just it. Bethesda's got so many questions. We kind of knew we knew exactly what Bethesda was going to do this year um, in terms of what their announcements were. Although they also, I would say, have have the had the best conference at Bethesda Land. Um, oh yes, the best experience. The best yes. experience. Yes. The best uh, announcements. No. Right. Um, I would say, you know, you, you know, we knew that they were coming with this year. We have no, because of that, we have no idea what they're coming with next year. Um, I mean, it could be a new doom. We could get new, like I said, new fall. We could get new Skyrim or new, excuse me, new elder scrolls. Um, or some other franchise they could resurrect that we're not even thinking of. Who knows? That's also true. I mean, we, you know, prey came out of nowhere this year. Um, so no, it'd be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they have. But yeah, I, I so that's our that's our order. UB one, Microsoft two, Nintendo three, Sony four, Bethesda five, EA six. But yeah, everybody and, and, and everybody had four. everybody had a really strong showing this year. 
Yeah, I mean, everybody had some some meat on their bones. None were really lacking. Um, yeah, I agree with that 100%. I'm with that. Uh, so let's talk best games. Um, are you going to rank yours 3-1, to one or, or do you have like a definitive 1 and 2 and 3 are interchangeable? Uh, you know, I don't really know if I have a 1-2-3. A, a I mean, I got three games in mind, sure, but I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can just rank them quite yet. I mean, it, it's, it's hard. This was a hard year because this was a kind of a, a an in-between year for the industry. A lot of things we knew were expected, a lot of sequels, um, you know, there was not really so much that I played that was great. Oh, that was, oh my god. You know, I also, mind you, I didn't get a chance to play Super Mario Odyssey, which I hear probably, you know, is actually the EGM game of show, but oh, unfortunately... We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that, sir. Spoiler. Uh, yeah, but unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play that. So, I mean, for me, I mean, I guess one game that kind of really blew me away that I kind of really got addicted to was Laser League. Oh, yeah, you've been talking about this a lot. Yeah, from 505 Games and Roll7, the guys who made Ollie Ollie. Um, it's basically like, it could be the next Rocket League in terms of its uh, pickup and playability, uh, yet how it gets the competitive juices flowing. It has 2v2, 3v3, and 4v4 modes. Um, and basically, it's you have, it has a top-down view, and you play a, a customizable humanoid character, and you can... You have to run around and basically press these buttons all over uh, just by running into them, these nodes almost on the field. And when you do lasers that are the same color as your team activate, and if the lasers hit uh, your enemy team, uh, then then that person's eliminated. They can be brought back, uh, mind you, if somebody can get to them, but there will be lasers that are just static. There are lasers that rotate. There are lasers that will bounce all around. Um... And each person has powers, like you can choose one power to bring into a match, so you could be like a ghost where you can actually pass through enemy lasers for two seconds, or you can be a thief where you can actually turn enemy lasers to your color, and there's this real interesting like meta strategy to everything as you and your team are bouncing around, and and, um, yeah, I absolutely just fell in love with it, and I can't wait for it to come out later this year on PC and then come to consoles next year. Um, I'm I'm really really excited for this game and think it could be something special if if they get the balancing right and if they uh, market it correctly. Cool, that's definitely one that I'm going to keep an eye on. Partly because you're going to you're going to force me to. I'm not going to be able to get away from it. <laughs> um, but I appreciate that. Nothing wrong with a good indie game. Yeah. Um, my first one is also indie in the sense that uh, it's kind of small, small team. Nobody really knew about it until E3 this year. Um. It's my first ever top game of E3, or any show for that matter, in VR. Ooh. And that is Moss from Polyarch, uh, which made its debut at the Sony conference. I thought originally that this was going to be a game where you just help the little mouse quill through the path and move stuff, and you won't have any control over uh, the mouse at all. But you have total agency over that guy. You You move her around... You press the button to make her jump. You press the button to make her attack in a very simplistic adventure mode style, uh, like sma- like uh, tap square to attack and X to jump. Easy peasy. But you're also moving blocks and solving puzzles and using things in the environment to progress. And it, it's, just, it's really, really, really cool. It's third-person VR, so you're like overlooking this world as Quill makes her way through it. And you see things in the distance that she wouldn't, 
so you know to prepare for it. The, the puzzle that I played was like this little labyrinth type thing where one switch opened the bottom doors and one switch opened the top doors and there was Quill and there was uh, an enemy that for some reason wouldn't attack her. I guess just for the puzzle reason. So I could put the enemy on the one switch which would put Quill in the device and I could get her over to the other switch, switch them, get the beetle to open to make it so that both switches were pressed at the same time and then I could press the actual goal switch inside the labyrinth to continue and that was the last part of the demo it was awesome it was awesome it was very interesting and it's it it has done more for me considering to buy a VR unit a PSVR than any other game before it wow if that's the kind of thing I can play in VR and if I'm missing experiences that play like that in VR I might need to jump in yeah, I mean, I definitely think that VR is coming along. Like, that's going to start becoming the norm. You're going to get more proper game experiences. Like, PSVR did not launch with a good lineup. Not just, well, it had a couple of good games. Riggs was pretty good, but nothing really amazing. Until Dawn sure. was supposedly, I didn't play the Until Dawn VR, but it was supposedly it was pretty good um, on a rail shooter. But uh, there's a lot of other stuff that wasn't good, like Batman Arkham VR, um, right. which was horribly disappointing. Uh, so, I mean, but thing, it's coming along. Eagle Flight was actually really impressive. Resident Evil 7 was impressive in VR, even though I know you would never play that. Um, I wouldn't, but let's not remember, let's not forget our, my ill-advised extra life promise. <laughs> I don't know why I'm bringing this up again, but if, as a reminder to people who are listening to this podcast, if I raise... The amount of money I raised last year before game day, it's about $1,200, $1,265. If I beat that before the actual Extra Life Marathon Day, I will stream myself playing Resident Evil in VR. I will do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to have to borrow VR from somebody, but I will do it. <laughs> and it, it, it will launch me into internet infamy more than Sony E3 Pink Shirt Bald Guy and more than the Eagles Nintendo 64 jersey because I am a self-diagnosed vagina when it comes to horror games. I just <laughs> am. And that's what's going to happen. So if you want that to happen, raise money for the kids. But anyway, um, <laughs> before anyone else decides to start donating real fast, number two on our list, you uh, said Laser League. I said Moss. What do you got next? Uh, well, in terms of something that I got really, really excited for and actually really want to play now, uh, Mario and Rabbids Kingdom, ba Kingdom Battle. Right? That's not on my list, but I can definitely consider it. Yeah. Holy hell in a handbasket. That game is way better than it has any business to be. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's, it's Mario, the Rabbids, basically one pesky little rabbit finds interdimensional travel and opens up a portal above the Mushroom Kingdom and all the rabbits fall in. How do they keep and then, into these issues? How, do they, how yeah. does this keep happening? I don't know. I don't know. But it, it, then they uh, fall into the Mushroom Kingdom, and obviously some rabbits are good, some rabbits are bad, some rabbits are just goofing around and them causing more trouble than they're supposed to. Uh, Bowser Jr. is involved somehow with all of this, and um, yeah, and then basically you, it's XCOM-style tactical turn-based RPG gameplay, and uh you, Mario has uh, what they call bonsai bills, I think they're calling them or something, or blaster bills or something, and, and 
uh, Peach and Luigi and Yoshi and these four rabbits that dress like them all have to run around the Mushroom Kingdom basically trying to quell the havoc that the rabbits have unleashed upon the Mushroom Kingdom. And it just plays absolutely great. If you love strategy, this is the game you can introduce your kid, a strategy to your kids with. Like, it's a solid strategy game. Like, it's not as hard as XCOM, but it's still solid. And it's Mario. It's got the cute cuteness of Mario and Rabbids, and it's just fun. And I actually couldn't get enough of it. The the I had I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall of those design meetings, just to hear yeah. the a laughter of the sheer craziness of the ideas that they were pitching, and b and perhaps more importantly the fear of public opinion on this. Yeah, there's no way they didn't design that game thinking, holy shit, what if nobody likes this idea? We are really going out on a limb here as far as Mario is concerned. What the hell are we going to do? <laughs> but, hey, it definitely worked in its dem- in the demo. It definitely, definitely worked. And I am excited to see more of it. I'm right there with you. Uh, that really impressed me and really surprised me, even though we knew about it before E3, obviously, yep. through leaks. Uh, I did not expect that. So, yeah, we knew there was a team up. We didn't realize it was XCOM. <laughs> yes, yes, and kudos to Ubisoft not only for coming up with the idea, but for giving us an excuse to see Eve Gimo and Shigeru Miyamoto on the same stage at the same time. That was cool. Um, Be- best moment of the press conferences for sure. Absolutely. Uh, number two for me is another surprise, another game that we did not ha- know about pre E three, and one that. It, it it ticks a lot of boxes for me, Ray, and uh, there are boxes that I didn't know would ever be ticked. You said Spider-Man was the Spider-Man game you always wanted. Mm-hmm. Well, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is the Dragon Ball game I've always wanted. That's a it's, good one. It's one-on-one, well, 3v3, excuse me, but it's 2D, 2.5D fighting with insane pulled right from the anime visuals, super fast animation, a Marvel versus Capcom-esque tag system. Super insane, like, ultra moves where Cell's doing the charge Kamehameha, and it looks like he's actually standing in the Cell games ring about to shoot it at Goku, and I'm just like, holy shit, where has this game been all my life? Now, I am hesitant because 2D fighters that look like that in Dragon Ball Z's history have not turned out very well. Um, Dragon Ball in general, until the Budokai series, kind of had an issue here. And there hasn't really been a shift in Dragon Ball format since. Like, uh, uh, Budokai and Xenoverse kind of mesh a little bit as far as overall gameplay styles. But this, this looks insane. And the fact that Arc System Works is behind it, the Guilty Gear and Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue, Blaze Blue uh, Studio, gives me even more hope that this will be a great game. That hesitance is always there as a longtime DBZ fan, but oh, holy shit, that game played really well, and the demo looked... I mean, the trailer can't do it justice. It just can't. Yeah, no, I had a chance to play it myself, and it just absolutely... It was just really good. It just handled really well. Everything was super fast-paced. The animation looks tremendous. Like you said, its arc system works, so you expect no less. Um, no, it's it's really good. It's really absolutely very, very good. I can't wait to see what the rest of the roster looks like. I can't wait to see the other arenas. Um, 
and yeah, I wonder if there's going to be, uh, the only thing I wonder now is if there's going to be any kind of a story mode, or if it's just going to be, like, a straight-up fighter, or, like, or, be like, an arcade with, like, you know, with, with going through with teams or whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, one thing I worry about is roster size, because Dragon Ball Z um, players are used to huge rosters, but a game like this, I think I'd rather have a small, focused, varied roster yeah. that branches out. Maybe yep. a little bit. It stays in Z. I don't want it to go into GT or Dragon Ball or Super. Maybe Super, because it's current. But I kind of want, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't want, yep. like, 150 characters that all play the same. I want 20 or 25 varied, differing characters. Yeah, I, I, I said the over-under is 24, so. Yeah, I'm in, on, I'm in for that, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that, that game blew my mind uh, in a way that I had not expected my mind to be blown. And um, we are down to our final two top games of E3, my friend. This is the last we'll talk about E3 2017 until someone brings it up next week. So, um <laughs> What was your last top game of the show? Well, for me, uh, it was something that we kind of... There had been rumors that these... And I'm sticking with Ubisoft, that Ubisoft Singapore had been working on something <laughs> since, the Bla- since, since the Black Flag days. Because Black Flag was so tremendously popular and arguably the best Assassin's Creed game. Uh, this is the pirate game that I want, Jay. <laughs> Skull and Bones. This is... Looting and plundering on the open seas, five-on-five multiplayer. There's also going to be a PvE element that they announced earlier this week um, that will kind of be like a campaign, but not like a traditional campaign. Um, And it features, I mean, you're just on the high seas. You can customize your captains. You're going to be able to meet, like, other captains from history. And it's it's the naval combat gameplay of Assassin's Creed 4, taken to the next level, and it was just tremendous, tremendous fun in the two 5v5 matches that we got to play in, and um, I absolutely cannot get enough of, uh, I cannot wait to see more of Skull and Bones. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That game um, was really, really, really cool, and it, like you said, it, take, it took the best part of Black Flag, the naval combat, and just enhanced it. Now, my thing is, campaign. Just multiplayer is fine, but that kind of thing where you're just naval might do a, a chapter based campaign might do well with it you know what i'm saying yeah but but the multiplayer was great when it worked and it, I, I didn't bork it um yeah I, i'm with you on that that demo was solid um and definitely one that intrigues now that that's 2018 right yes 2018 okay so not not hopefully not too long to wait. It gives them time to fine tune and tweak and add some stuff and make sure that it's five v five and not six v four. But uh, yeah, I'm very very I'm very very okay with that. So my last one, you already know what it is. It's Super Mario Odyssey. Um, yes, they gave us two different arenas to play in: the Sand World and the City World. And holy shit, you can possess anything. Or capture it, as Nintendo's calling it, and you and you can use the entire environment to your advantage. One of the first things you do in the city area is throw your hat at a light bulb on a large electrical wire, and then use that light bulb as a zip line down to the main hub area. So you're on like a platform that's detached when you first start, and you zip down the line into the city, and there you are. Um, everything in that world is alive. Most things in that world can be captured. And used to your advantage. In the Sand World, for example, there were these enemies uh, straight out of Super Mario Land on the Game Boy. 
um, big rock enemies with sh- with, gla- with uh, sunglasses on. And if you possessed one, you could walk around with it, obviously, and then you put the shades on, and platforms that were invisible to Mario's eye appeared. So you could see paths to coins that you ordinarily would think were impossible to get to, and then you take the glasses off or you unpossess the guy and they're gone. So you have to kind of memorize where they are before you actually go for the coins. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and they're 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 called Moais, by the way. Moais. Moais as in like it's a it's a play on the Easter Island statues that are all called actually Moais. Sure. Uh, but it, these are M-O-E-E-Y-E-S, these new enemies that you're speaking of. Because we had a long discussion in, in, at EGM yesterday trying to figure out if they actually were from Super Mario Land. And they're not, but they do oh. look they do look similar to those enemies from then who were also based off of the Easter Island statues called Moais. Okay, so my confusion is warranted, but I'm still wrong. Got it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, I, I really, really, not that I should be shocked, it's a Mario game, Nintendo puts all of their focus into that in Zelda, um, but yeah, I mean, it really, really impressed me, I've wanted a 3D Zelda, a 3D um, Mario game for a long time, I mean, Mario 64 was great, Galaxy was great, but, and Mario 3D World kind of, kind of was 3D, but not in the way I wanted, this is a Mario Galaxy or 64-esque 3D adventure with a unique mechanic, that is interesting and fun and could change the way that we platform uh, again, as Mario is wont to do. And I'm really hyped for it, even more so than I was when we started. Yeah, I can't wait to get my first hands on with this because I've only heard amazing things. And I'm really, really looking forward to playing this game when it comes out on October the 27th, uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, but- and uh, when it gets delayed two weeks to the Friday before Black Friday, don't be surprised. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because the 27th is a loaded day now with Wolfenstein and Assassins also dropping on that day. So, yeah. yep. Um, yep. By the way, just breaking news from the Wall Street Journal. Oh, shit. Uh, Japan wants tourists, but not those who dress like Mario and go go-karting. Seems this what? Is an epi- this seems this is an epidemic happening in Kyoto, which, of course, is where uh, nearby Nintendo, I believe, is headquartered. Um, and I guess there is like a tourist business that specializes in renting out go-karts and giving, and a lot of American tourists go there cosplaying as Mario, Luigi, and Princess, and they go there nearby Nintendo and drive the go-karts around town, and they're becoming a bit of a hazard for the traffic people, for people, for the taxis, for the buses, and all the other stuff. So Japan says, please stop dressing up like Mario and riding our go-karts around town. Okay. Um, PSA, go to Japan, keep the go-karts on the track. God damn it. Um, that just, that, 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 that's an actual article in the Wall Street Journal that just I love broke. It. <laughs> I love it. Wall Street Journal. Hard-hitting news. Uh, and with that, my friend, uh, we are going to close the book officially on E3 2017. Uh, it was a hell of a show. A lot of cool stuff that we didn't even get to mention. Um, and a lot of things to look forward to in the next year. Some of it may seem deflating compared to previous years because there was so much that we already knew about that we just got more information on, but that doesn't make the lineup any less strong. No. It doesn't make the lineup any less impactful. It's still a ton of awesome stuff coming soon that you're going to be playing and loving for months to come, um, and really, it's really not a lot 
it's really not worth being disappointed over because it's only it's all good. It's just new games. New games are great. Keep them yeah. coming. Yep. Any final words? Can I go take a nap now? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's time to go to bed. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So, for episode 66B, our E3 2017 wrap-up show for the Ray and Jay podcast, he is Ray. I am Jay. Thank you so much for listening, as always. And we will be back next week with more gaming or wrestling or whatever. Um, probably gaming and wrestling or sports or something like that. We'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> and in the meantime, you all have a wonderful week, and we will speak to you next time. See ya. Good night, everybody.